Hey everyone, today we're going to talk about a new, a unique, a neuroscientific approach to selling to client centered sales. We've got a special guest on the show. Kimberly Slavic is with us. Welcome to the Not Your Average Joe Show. It's Joe Soto here, and I'll be right back with you. This is the Not Your Average Joe Show, where each week we bring you sales, marketing, and mindset strategies you need to get to your next level. And now, here's your host, international business mentor, Joe Soto. Kimberly, welcome to the show. Hi, Joe. Good to be here. I'm so happy that you're here. We have a lot to go through today. I have your book in hand. I have a bunch of questions. We'll talk about your book, Biznostic Sales and Marketing. For everybody who's new to Kimberly, she is a sales and business strategist who has you sold and you've led, like I read $2 billion in complex IT solutions over the last 30 years of your professional sales career, but you're also an author of several books. You are a speaker. Uh, who isn't traveling to speak as much right now because we're in the midst of, at the time of recording this, a pandemic. But you're making yourself available for interviews like this. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Welcome. Thanks. Well, we have um, some things to dive into. First of all, you have a unique method and a unique approach and kind of a unique framework, if you will. Joe Shank says it's a great book. The people are already chiming in here. Okay. Your approach, and I, I particularly, sales is my passion. People know me from a lot of different types of programs that are out there, sales and marketing related. But some people don't realize I spent 10 years in the sales training profession, training inside of companies, corporate sales strategies, sales techniques. And I'm, all, and I'm a big fan of solution selling. I'm also a fan of consultative selling. But I think that you have a unique, in, in client-centered sales, you have a unique approach and framework for people to kind of learn from to help people put down the barriers of that might come up the resistance that typically they might encounter. And so let's dive into it. Is that okay? Yeah, I'm ready when you are. Okay. So, and I've got a bunch of questions here. So I'm going to refer to my notes. Your method really centers around how you articulate your message, not necessarily the content of your message. So let's talk about where the term visnostic selling comes from. And maybe break down the word visnostic for us, because that's a new word for people. And maybe you can break it down. First of all, a little backstory of how you came up with it. And then let's break it down. How about we start there? Okay. Yeah. So first of all, what to call it was a, a drama within itself. My son actually came up with it because I was calling it visualization diagnostics. And he said, why don't you just say visnostics? And that's how the name came about. What it's all about is triggering positive brain chemistry, avoiding the negative brain chemistry so that you have an instant rapport with your audience. And okay. they want, it becomes like a Pavlov's dog. They don't understand that chemicals are being released in their brain, but they know they really feel good when they're around you. So that makes them drawn to you. And so this is, it's very powerful in sales, but it's also powerful in marriages and other relationships in your life. Everyone is in a situation where they have an opportunity to be persuasive. And Visnostics will help you get what you want. Okay. So that's a big statement, right? That's a, that's a big statement. But you hinged your 
professional sales career, at least the successful parts of it on or attributed to what you learned around creating these diagnostic statements, these visualization diagnostics. I love that. The name, while at first kind of hard to say or or even look at because when something's that new, it takes a little while to get used to your brain goes, what's this about? I kind of like saying it now. I kind of like saying Visnostic, right? It's kind of fun. And Joe Ingram uh, introduced me to your book. And I know that you've uh, been on his War Games uh, podcast and show. So I'm super thrilled you're here. Your book teaches, I wrote, how to entice specific targeted buyers with specific solution visualization statements. Statements, not questions. And you say that statements allow the buyer to opt in or not. What do you mean by that? Yeah. So first, let's talk about questions. If you're in sales and marketing, you've probably gone to multiple training classes on how to ask questions, how to qualify. And as I was doing this, and believe me, I've been through all of them, solution selling, Sandler selling, spin selling, name it, strategic selling. They all are all about qualifying the opportunity. And I noticed that people would be kind of fidgeting in their chair and getting a little annoyed and they'd be like looking at what I'm doing. Like how many more are there of questions? And we don't like questions. I mean, we didn't like filling out the, the census that came out when you're walking through the mall and someone's with a clipboard, you know, they want to ask you questions. You'd like try not to make eye contact with them. We don't like it. And that's, what's going to trigger the negative brain chemistry we want to avoid. So Most people are bracing themselves when a salesperson walks into a room because they know they're about to be manipulated. And people think of questions as being manipulating tools. So if you, what you want to do is hijack their brain where they're not thinking about other things. They're not daydreaming. They're really focused in on what you're saying. So you, you change your questions into a statement and you let and you write it in the first person so it's like they're saying it and you tell them you're going to make a statement and you they have a way to respond and we use the power of threes which is a neuroscience tactic three options of how to respond and you don't have to use these but these are what have worked out well for me i can say this today i wish i could say this today or it's not important not applicable so you take something that you can do turn it into a statement using results Like I can save a million dollars in a month by using XYZ product. That would be a visnostic statement. The result and the timeline are at the beginning. And then the client... Spoken in the first uh, first person. Yes. And so the client is now... It triggers a visualization to occur where they realize it's them saying it. You'll watch their eyes move around like this as they're visualizing how their world is today and how it would be better with you in it. And then they're going to respond, well, yeah, I wish I could say that today. And when you trigger the right brain chemistry, they won't stop there. They'll keep telling you, they'll, they'll explain their answer to you. So the hardest part for a salesperson is to be quiet and take notes or better yet record it because they're going to be talking so fast and selling you so much. You probably won't be able to take notes fast enough. Yeah, and I, I love that because we I teach how to ask really good questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find sometimes there's a struggle between, you know, yes, ask some good questions, get them talking, open-ended questions that make sense, but also never make it an interrogation, but which is what you're saying. They're already kind of anticipating. So lead with these statements. Mm-hmm. And that might open up the dialogue, might resist or uh, reduce the re- dis- resistance 
suit quicker, fast, because they're not going to, you're already uh, breaking a pattern that they're, they're used to or expecting, which is just a, a whole interrogation of questions. And, mm-hmm. um, and it's tough to teach that. So this, this has given me a tool to be able to share to help people break up the monotony or the interrogation and the down the walls that traditional question asking can, can lead to, can, can, you know, can, you know, results in Right. Yeah. So let's, um, you, 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 uh, you have three principles. You have, you have several principles. I wrote down three. Mm-hmm. One of them you just mentioned, which was the power of three, mm-hmm. um, that people like choices. So give it to them. Right. Um, you also talk about vendor speak versus client speak. What do you mean? Mm-hmm. So vendor speak would be, I do this. It's feature functions. This is what I can do. Most email messages that I receive with prospecting efforts are, my name is, I work for this company. I do that. My company does this. We increase revenues. Right. Well, I I wish they would get to that part right away, but it's usually they're talking about what they do. Got it. We are a financial services industry. We sell cars. We sell this. We do that. And very rarely are the results mentioned right up front, which they should be. Yeah. Okay. Let's first of all, a few more things before we go into some examples. So hang with us. We're going to give you some examples of Viznostic statements and more of them. You've already heard a couple. Um, You say that the statements typically translate features and function into something more meaningful to the audience. You also talk about how it, it, it allows the client to visualize what you're saying, which creates more emotional engagement in your book. You talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but what do you mean by translating features and function into something more meaningful? So if I were to say that I sold insurance, I mean, right. that's, that's, that's vendor speak. Client speak would be, you can retire 10 years earlier if you use my financial service um, consulting business. So you, you translate what you do into why they care, but too many people are out there talking about what they do and the audience is having to translate into why they care. And we, that's one of the principles we don't like to translate. So yeah. if you translate for them, they're already liking you and you already stand out above everyone else that's doing what you do. That's a great insight because we tend to think everyone can be great mind readers and they're not. <laughs> right. Um, you also share that the Viznostic statements are also used as diagno- di- diagnostic tools and as qualification tools. So mm-hmm. how did somebody use a, 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 di- a statement, a, a visualization diagnostic statement to uh, qualify someone? What do you mean by that? So you started this out. Elaborate. You asked me to tell you the story of how all this started. So I'll answer that question and that first question with the story of how this all started. I had been doing a presentation. This presentation was was created around strategic selling. So it it the presentation itself was to qualify the audience as you're presenting. And it did ask questions in the presentation and it did talk about what we did. And the first time I presented it to this really loyal client, he bought from me three other times, three other companies. He fell asleep during my presentation. And so when I woke him up, he was mortified. He said, I'm sorry, I worked all night. Come back tomorrow. Try it again. And I did. I came back the next day. And this time he was taking really good notes during my presentation. I was telling him what I did our stock increases, all about the company, the number of clients we had, all the things that, you know, as a vendor speak, selfish vendor, I 
thought it was important. My company thought it was important. My company told me to say all these things. So he was taking notes. I went over to look at what he was, what was resonating with him. He was doing his grocery list. So he wasn't even listening to me again, two days in a row. So we parted ways. He said, sorry, Kim, I'm just, I'm tired. I'm not going to buy from you. I don't have the budget. Sorry, I wasted your time. And I went back and I looked at my presentation and, and I wondered what made him go to sleep? What made him write his grocery list? Why was I not connecting? And it was the first time I realized how selfish the presentation was. Me, my, 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 me, me, me. It was so boring. And not once did we talk about why he should care because we expected the audience to translate that into client speak, translate it into why they care. Love it. So, you know, I always say this was divine intervention because I, I had never been trained on doing this, but I went through my presentation and I started rewriting it. I took what we did and I rewrote it into why they could care, why they should care, what they're going to get out of. I was thinking all of my case studies, all my successful clients. And so I started writing out things that, you know, they accomplished. And I called him back. I said, I want to take you to lunch. And again, he pushed back and said, I'm not going to buy from you, but I'll go to lunch. You're paying. So he took him to lunch and I had this really ugly spreadsheet where I had all of these statements written in first person, you know, I saved money or backups were very easy. All of these things that were basically what I presented to him. And then I had these columns. I can say this today. I wish I could say this today. Not important. And I told him this is a new tool that I developed. No PowerPoint needed. We could do it anywhere on a golf course, a lunch. And I wanted to say these statements and him tell me the response. And the first one, he put his fork down and he st- his eyes are going crazy and he just told me all these terrible things going on at work and why he worked all night and why he was doing his grocery list and why he hadn't slept and way more information than I ever dreamt I I would ever get out of him on the first question. And then he said, he was eager. What's the next one? What's the next one? And by the fourth one, he said, can, can I stop you for a second? Can I assume you can do all these things? And I said, yes. <laughs> and he said, well, why didn't you just tell me this? I said, I did twice, two presentations. This is exactly what I was telling you. And he goes, none of it sounds familiar. So it, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Right. He hijacked his brain because he had three three responses. He had, he had homework. He had to respond a certain way. So he was really listening to every word that I was saying. And yeah. that did end up in, it did end up in a closed cell. And within two weeks, and it was much better. It made my number for the year. When he said that it didn't sound familiar, um, he wasn't recalling it. It's because none of it got into his head or his brain anyway. That's right. Um, and then what people will do is they'll distract themselves with their own visuals, taking note, doing his, his grocery list, they'll doodle, mm-hmm. which, is, which is indicative of nothing wrong with doodling, but it's also indicative of their brain wondering. Um or they're brainstorming on something else and they're not fully engaged in listening to what you're saying and or presenting. And you use um, graphics, you use cartoons in your book. And uh, and I love that. But you also say that uh, in your book, you say cartoons are uh, more powerful than photos. Yeah. Why? So it's, it, I worked with neuroscience. I'm not a neuroscientist, but I worked with neuroscientists to, to make sure that the stuff I see in the book is legit. And if you took a photograph, a photograph is what we see every day. And so our brain kind of takes photographs for, for, we just, 
don't put a lot of um, appreciation for a photo like we do a cartoon. A cartoon, you see shading and different different type of techniques with the pen or the or the paint. And so our our eyes are drawn and our mind is drawn more to a, a cartoon. And I want to give you an example of this just to kind of prove anyone that was on Facebook remembers that when when COVID first hit, everything was shut down. All of a sudden, profile pics were popping up as these avatars that Facebook was letting you change your yourself into an avatar. And they were everywhere. And people were laughing and joking and stuff. Our Our brains are... We relate to a cartoon as our childhood and good, happy innocence and happiness. And there's a reason that everyone was changing it to the avatars because there was such a high stress and fear. People were, were trying to do their own brain chemistry, but they didn't realize what they were doing. Yeah, this is brilliant. I the uh, One of my uh, mentors and partners, as we've talked about, is Jeffrey Gittermer and um, mm-hmm. A common thing in most of his books, particularly his early books, is a he had a comic who um, helped him communicate some of the concepts and ideas in his books, his early books, two of which are top five best-selling sales books of all time, because mm-hmm. he and he used cartoons throughout all of them. Mm-hmm. And when I was reading and seeing, I loved how you're using cartoons and biznostic selling. And by the way, this is the this is the older edition. You want to get the newest one. You want to hold it up. Biznostic Sales and Marketing. It's a bigger book. It's twice as big and it's less expensive on Amazon. Go get it. Biznostic Sales and Marketing. Type that in. You'll get the right book. Unlike me. Um, but a lot, a lot obviously similar, but this that's a newer edition and more meat to it. But he had he has comics and cartoons throughout his books. And it's like a it became almost like a trademark of his delivery of information. And also, I think that the, to add to what you just said, I think that the brain chemistry part is that we we like the humor. We tend to look, we think of comics. You grew up maybe reading, the, I mean, I'm I'm old. So we grew up reading comments, com, uh, comics in the Sunday paper. Like I'd grab the comic section out of the Sunday paper mm-hmm. and you got everything from Phoenix, uh, Peanuts to um, Calvin and Hobbes in there and all this. So your brain also... Re- uh, I think uh, relates to the humor or it immediately triggers that there might be something funny or humorous and you and you want that you crave that. Right. Uh, and that, and when you can, when you can make someone, you know, laugh or smile or uh, chuckle, you'll, you'll be your brain chemistry. It'll connect the dots more. Right. Right. You, you emphasize using this in your sales presentations too, not just in a, in a book, but you're suggesting why not throw you know, a cartoon uh, or something. They did not always to be funny. A cartoon can still make a point without necessarily being humorous. But you're suggesting people should use it in the way that they present. Like if they're doing slide decks, even on Zoom or if we're in a world of virtual selling right now, you're saying make it fun, add add some and 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 appeal to what the neuroscience has proven will connect the dots better and, and engage the buyer better. And, and so you, so where do, how do we, how do we do this? You hire somebody that does the comics, you go onto a cartoon site and buy the rights to several comics. What would you suggest? Well, so I, I have an artist and it was a gentleman that I used to report to and I adore him. His name's David Wiener. And he studied uh, two different kinds of artists that their technique was a subliminal hypnosis. 
So when some people, I, I had one person one time call me and say, I just really don't like your artwork in your book. Why did you use this artwork? And I said, well, describe to me the uh, uh, an example of what you didn't like. And man, they were detailed. They would describe this picture to the T, the shading and the man and the woman and the brain and all this stuff. And I said, you may think you don't like it, but you retained it and you remembered it. And then I asked them, what, what was I talking about when you saw that graphic? And they told me the whole chapter around that graphic. I said, it worked. And that's what's crazy about art. If you think about going through an art gallery, you don't necessarily go, oh, I really like that art. But you're staring at it going, what were they thinking? That's right. And you'll that, remember it. Exactly. And yeah. one of the biggest problems in presentations, and I love marketing people. I ran a marketing organization. I believe it's important that sales and marketing get along. So I'm all about marketing. But man, they gave me some bad slides. The, <laughs> the, the wording and the graphics had nothing to do with each other. Like a nighttime aerial view of downtown LA and all the lights was the backdrop. And then all these points and bullets of what we did. And they had nothing to do with each other, for example. So make sure that your artwork helps the reader retain the content. And that's the number one problem I see on most presentations, brochures and everything. So I mean, stock photos of a bunch of people at a conference room does not tell your story. I love that. And I'm, it's, <clears throat> I think that people can use this lesson for their website redesigns, um, <clears throat> their sales presentations and so on. I, this, this concept of using cartoons um, in your presentations, I don't want to, I don't, I don't take lightly. I think it's, I think you're, it's, you're, you're not onto something. You're, revealing something that's already existed the part of they remembered it even though they may not have liked it that's fine you know the power of uh of triggers and anchoring to memories you know you you may hear a song that comes on the radio that you don't particularly like but it takes you back to 19 you know 90 at a high school prom or something right so but you may be like yeah that i just for some reason that just takes me back to you know a certain usually you can pinpoint exactly where you were i I hear a certain Pearl Jam song and it puts me like immediately sitting in front of playing like Technoball on Nintendo in a college dorm. And I know the kid that was sitting next to me, we used to put that on a loop and play it over and over. But I didn't particularly like the song, but he played it all the time in his dorm room and it it helps me retain a memory. Yeah. So there's real power in this. And you talk about three R's in your book, right? Mm -hmm. You talk about um, relating, retaining, and what's the third one's escaping me right now? Oh, repeat. Yeah. Um, relate, retain, and repeat. So share a little bit more about that. Not trying to give away everything that's in the book, although people should be buying the book because we're not going to be on here all day talking about business, sales, and marketing, but you need it in your business. But what do you mean by relate, re re retain, and repeat? And I know we've already revealed some of that. Yeah. So people have to relate to how their life is going to be better with you in it. So it has to trigger them a visualization of how you are going to enrich their life. And they have to retain it. They have to remember that because it's very rare when a person that you might be selling to is the person that's the decision maker. So a lot of times that person that you've just convinced that needs to buy whatever it is that you're selling, they have to go sell again. So they need to know what you said and they need to retain it so they can repeat it and be your champion and help you get the deal. 
I love it. One of the uh, misnomers in the field of of uh, NLP, and I'll talk about it because I have background in it, and most of my audience knows this, is that people um, they NLP and 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 people like to cat, put people in categories and boxes. Uh, and fortunately, in studying NLP with the right people, I've learned that while it's okay in the context to learn it and be able to understand types, personality types, or boxes. You don't want to approach the world that way. It's just for sake of understanding a system and then understanding that people have all the flexibility they need. Well, one of the uh, uh, the statements is that people are either visual, auditory, or kinesthetic. When the truth of the matter is, we're all three. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a primary representation system that we tend to be in more often than not. But by using visnostic statements, what I found was you're tapping into the visual and auditory simultaneously, the visual will spark more emotional engagement typically because you're, you're using cartoons and things like this to anchor it. And that engagement can lead in, you know, to, can lead to new sales. And so I really love uh, the spin that you have on this. And it's not a spin. It's just based on what you've researched, more importantly, studied and applied. You say something in your, and uh, in, in either in your, I think in your, in your book, when you talk about this isn't about theory or concept. It's about what actually works in executing a sale, which I love. Mm -hmm. um, we can talk about concepts all day, but let's... So I, I wrote down uh, an example of a Viznostic statement. You can give me your critique okay. on how I did, right? Okay, so... I love we, this. We may say something like, uh, generically, like we increase revenue. Mm -hmm. We help clients increase revenue. That might have been the way we said it. That's the, that's the generic, vague statement fairly common for people to talk like that versus revenues in uh, rep with, with my, with my help revenues increase by uh, 20% in under 12 months due to increased client demand. Here's another one. Our current, um, do, do your, do you view your marketing uh, efforts? This is how I would normally, we'd ask this as a question. Do you view your marketing efforts currently as an expense or as an investment? You have an example similar to this in your book. That's actually what we say. Mm -hmm. The Viznostic statement would be our current marketing system allows us to two to three X typical sales funnel conversion rates. So marketing can be viewed as a revenue generator. Yeah. That How's that? Yeah, that's good. Okay. Do you want to give us another example of a generic, a common generic one and how you'd reframe it? Yeah. So first I wanted to give them the secret formula. Okay. The Viznostic. RTH formula, and you will not remember RTH. We don't remember letters. We don't think letters. If your presentations have a lot of letters, people aren't retaining it. So we got to translate that into a visual. So RTH, envision this instead. A giant green dollar sign, a red clock, and a toolbox. I'm going to say that again because repetition helps you retain stuff. A giant green dollar sign, a red clock, and a toolbox. That formula will change your life because right now you're talking about your toolbox. I do this. We provide this. This is our service. Blah, uh, blah, 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 blah. Yes. You only have three seconds. That's one thing that we probably should mention in this discussion today is our attention spans have shrunk, not because we're changing but our environment is changing. We're getting bombarded with emails and messaging and people trying to sell to us every single day. We don't have time. I have over 100,000 unread emails. And if they start out with the toolbox, I don't even go there. But if they start with what, what Joe is just saying, 
with the results and the timeline, saving a million dollars in a month is different than saving a million dollars over 30 years. Timeline's important. So the result is the green dollar sign. Okay. The timeline is how quickly you're going to get that result. And the toolbox is if it's not a if it's not a result or a timeline, it's a toolbox. You'd be shocked. You're, you're so it's not you have to use all three. You can use either or in your statements. I love this. Yeah, I mean, throwing in the timeline isn't always appropriate, but if right. you your mind thinking that you're looking for that, um, you'll be surprised. You know, if a customer says, Oh my gosh, we've saved a million dollars with your product. And you think, I didn't ask him how quickly he did that. So get on the phone and call your client and say, hey, you mentioned you saved a million dollars. How quickly? Oh, in a month, your first month? Wow, I thought maybe it was the first quarter. I mean, that timeline can make a big difference in making that next sale, getting that data. 100%. When I was first reading the book, I was redoing the presentation material for our our program for speaker authors. And I, 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 I rewrote it as... Um, and I, I think I was the top of my head because I don't have it right in front of me. I, I should pull it up while, while you're talking. But it says um, something along. I added the timeline to it. And I said in the, into the copy, because this is really a colossal copywriting skill, everyone. I added uh, that, we'll, you know, that we, we can turn your, your book into a course and put it on and build an evergreen funnel to sell it on idle, autopilot in 60 days or less. Mm. So the selling on autopilot is kind of the money without promising how much, mm-hmm. but they also want to know the clients want to know that we can do it in a time frame that makes sense for them to engage with us on. So I love that giving people that and I, and it did result in, it has resulted in sales. Yeah. So, uh, th- you know, I, in other words, when you read the book, apply the book, right? right. Apply the book. You have, um, I love the uh, hijacking your brain. I wrote that down, by the way. If you see me writing stuff down, it's because I'm writing it down. Um, you say you say that diagnostic statements flesh out your client's visualization, thus thus reducing the risk of communication misinterpretation. Like you said, don't leave it to them to translate it. Yeah. Um, is there a place where you say, well, there is a time you're going to be asking questions, but you lead with? Is is it? Am I safe to assume you're leading with the vi- the, the visagnostic statements from the get go? Yes. So in our in the workshops that I do with clients, we use that RTH formula. We take each bullet of what they do and we yeah. tr- we translate it into and we use sticky notes. So each sticky note represents a segmentation of their business. It, like blue might be services, green might be a product, um, pink might be a software. So do, we break apart all of the components of what they do. And then we start rewriting it into the RTH formula. And it's a long process because people get on the phone with their clients and ask them, you know, I know you bought this. What kind of results have you for the first time? That's the part that blows my mind. This is business is a thought process more than anything. It's a behavioral modification thought process where when you start realizing the significance and the importance of the results in the timeline, you start having to go back to your clients and get that information, which nobody's doing today. It's weird that no one's doing that today. You're changing the way you think so you can change the way your clients think. Yeah. And I'll tell you, when you call a client and you, and you, you, you try not to ask questions. So you say, tell me the results again, what you got from what you bought from me and how quick, and tell me how quickly you got that. So it's little subtle differences and not asking a question, making a, a behavioral statement. And 
what you're doing is you're forcing them to visualize, oh, there's their product. Here's what we did with it. Here's the results. Here's how quickly. And they're gushing with positive brain chemistry. And you just triggered and you don't know why, but you're bringing positives to the the surface. And it's, you don't even know this yet, but just but it's make them it doing it. It's them doing it based on your statements. Yeah. But you're creating a bond with your client because it's that Pavlov's dog thing. You've rung the bell and you've made them salivate and they don't know why, but when you call now, they want to talk to you because they yeah. felt good last time they talked to you. This is great. How about applying this to other industries like real estate? You have, well, you have books that are specific to other, uh, yeah. other industries too, but yeah. <laughs> Back here, these are two special editions, the car and the real estate, because um, those are the two biggest sales um, categories. You know, there's so many salespeople in this world, but those two make up the top. And there's more. There's insurance and others, too, that I'm working on. But real estate is a whole different discussion. We should do another podcast just on real estate because the features and functions in real estate are number of bedrooms, square footage bathrooms right <laughs> and people don't buy that that's not what they buy yeah. they buy how they're going to live in the house and so i teach people real estate where they see themselves going once they live there in terms of location location might be the feature but the benefit of that is you're close to schools you can walk your kids to schools uh every single day you're within walking distance of the nearest convenience store if you wanted to get on a bike you could get you can get to the grocery store yeah so when you're writing your description when you're if you're selling a house you go to the seller and you you tell, you say this, not a question, a statement. Tell me your best memories in this house. Now you just triggered positive brain chemistry and they love you for this. Yeah. And you're going to get all kinds of referrals from these people because you just brought up good feelings. Sometimes they'll cry because it's yeah. hard to sell memories. But it'll give you the information to sell to the next buyer because they're telling that, you those why, what, yeah. That's, that's what awesome. Description, not number of bedrooms and baths. You put their story and their memories in the description. And when the reader, the buyer is reading it, they're reading all these others that are saying, you know, great kitchen, granite countertop, nah, nah, nah. but this one's talking about the birthday party and the Christmases and the stuff. And, and they don't know why, but they're more attracted to your listing than these other listings because that story has, has released positive brain chemistry and they feel good and they want that. They want those memories too. It is, it, I've, I have one real estate agent and you can go to YouTube and watch her testimonial. She's gone from $120,000 a year to over a million dollars, not in sales, in income, changing and using Viznostics. And her yeah. are coming awesome. crazy. Uh, want- I'll bring this up on the screen. Joe, Joe Shanks, he, he did a, a, a dollar sign, a clock and a toolbox based on what you were sharing earlier. You got on here a little later. You're listening to this on the latter, latter part. Go rewind it and watch it. But then Justin turned it into a a, a, a diagnostic visual <laughs> with the bag of money, the box. Gnostic the images or the uh, the the words into the pictures, which is pretty funny. And Joe's a new reader too. And we we've spent a lot of time on the phone together talking about how he's going to apply that to his roofing business. Oh, so, great. Y'all need, if you're watching this, hold on to Joe's, Joe's name and number. You may need a roof someday. <laughs> How do people learn more and find out more about you? I have on here your LinkedIn. Is that a great place to connect with you? That's my favorite place to connect with people. So please start there. And I do a lot of blogs there and I release a lot of videos there that is free training. And there's a lot of money 
um, people are making selling training. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing that right now. I'm giving it away for free. And I have a vested interest in every reader's success because this is new. Yeah. I have a trademark on this word. I need to make you famous so that Viznostics is famous. You have a website they can go to as well. Dyna exec. I do. And I need help. So if any webmasters are out there, you know, be gentle on me, call me and you can help guide me because <laughs> I've done all that myself. <laughs> Awesome. Well, what you're doing is impactful. Again, it's hold up your version because I don't want people to buy this one. I want them to buy yours. Buy this um, one. Which is the bigger version of the updated revised version, Viznostic Sales and Marketing. Um, and uh, I can tell you, I very I, I read a lot of sales books. Um, when Joe Ingram was on my show and I asked for a couple of book recommendations, people think I do it just to help other people. I kind of do it for selfish reasons too. And while I had read his other recommendations, I hadn't read this one. And it's rare also to find something that has a unique way of framing um, concepts and strategies I'm, I was somewhat familiar with, but didn't have a way to, to make it deliberate. And that's what you've done. So, you know, I learned a long time ago, I remember being um, at Jeffrey's home one time and he, he had this old book. It was a, the Milkman's, Milkman's uh, Sales Manual for selling milk door to door, like in like the 30s or something like this, right? Oh, wow. This book was super fragile. I'm like turning the book pages as he says, I want you to look at this book and I want you to go to the table of contents. I was afraid to open it, really. It was that brittle. I open it, get to the table of contents. He says, What do you see? And it has, you know, um, you know, how to how to create emotional responses in your customers, how to build rapport, right? How to ask the right questions, things like this. And I said, what I see is this is the same stuff that everyone's teaching now. He says, exactly, because there's really nothing necessarily new, but there's definitely new ways to teach things based on what we learn about people. And that's what you've done. You've taken something and you made it new. You have a new name for this. Um, and I think it's a unique way, a, new, a unique approach for people to make, make that leap to client-centered selling, which is something I'm an advocate for. And I appreciate having you on here, Kimberly. Oh, thank you so much. And I will, I have to compliment you too. It is a huge difference when someone that's interviewing has read the book. <laughs> I really appreciate that. Thank you. That's right. That's, you know, I, it's one of my pet peeves. I tell show hosts all the time, if you're going to have somebody who's, who's, who's has a book out, if you can get your hands on a copy and read it. Um, I appreciate you writing it. Appreciate you being on my show. Thanks everyone for being on here. I see everyone on here and I appreciate you guys participating. Who, who those of you who are on here watching it live. Hope you got good value out of this. If you came on late, you want to rewind it and watch it over again. I'll see everybody later. Thanks for being on the Not Your Average Joe show. And Kimberly is Not Your Average Joe. No. <laughs> Thanks everyone. Tune in next week for the Not Your Average Joe show with international business mentor, Joe Soto. 